Hi, everybody. Welcome. Today is Wednesday, the 22nd of October 2021. My name is Rita Q, and we are at the Overeaters Anonymous 100 Pounder Special Focus Meeting. I'm absolutely delighted today to introduce a friend who I got to know through Zoom at the very beginning of the, of the pandemic. And it is Jeff H. from Iowa. Jeff is going to share his experience, strength and hope, and I will leave it to him to tell you a story. Take it away, Jeff. Thank you, Rita. And thank you so much for inviting me to be of service. Uh, you know, I just love Rita. She's like, she's like my Irish sister. And I have never in my lifetime, and it's a long lifetime, ever heard anyone who can impart so much information in so little time as Rita, not only uh, verbally, but in the chat. She's fantastic. So thank you for... Uh, Sorry, there's going to be a little side noise here uh, for, for a minute or two. So anyway, uh, before I start, I want to uh, call your attention to my background. That's my little great grandson, uh, Lorenzo, my grand grandson's uh, little boy. And yesterday, my granddaughter presented me with another little boy, great grandson. So now uh, it's incumbent upon me to live long enough to get them through Little League Baseball. So, <laughs> and I don't know, maybe you guys do cricket, but we do baseball here. So anyway, uh, my name is Jeff Harpin and I am a compulsive overeater. I am also a triple winner. Uh, if, uh, if I divided my life into four parts, it would be uh, painful childhood and adolescence. Uh, 25 years of alcoholism, 28 years of compulsive overeating, and seven years of fantastic, you know, enjoyable recovery uh, from the eating. So uh, I would imagine that uh, on my tombstone, my epitaph will be uh, uh, anything worth doing is worth overdoing, because that's pretty much the way my life has, uh, has gone. Uh, the only things I'm overdoing now will never get me handcuffed in the back of a police car, uh, I hope. So, But um, I, I do need to, to touch just a little bit on the alcoholism part because it's germane uh, to the story. And uh, just to give you a little background on the addictive thing, uh, when I graduated university in 1970 and got my first job, well, I guess my only job, because I worked the same place uh, till retirement, uh, I got addicted to coffee. You know, I was already addicted to alcohol, but I got addicted to coffee and I had a coffee pot on my desk and I was drinking two pots a day. And uh, somebody didn't like that. So they made a rule against having coffee at your desk. So I just said, I made the dumbest decision of my life. I said, okay, then I'll just start smoking. <laughs> and so I did that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It, it, you know, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And in, in, in my, uh, you know, in my opinion, or used to be in my opinion. So um, I got into, uh, you know, I got into um, AA and, and on um, my first day in AA was July 23rd, 1986. Uh, and the reason that that's significant is on July 24th, 1986, that's when the compulsive overeating started. 
you know, I was probably a, um, well, at least a healthy weight, maybe not a goal weight when I came in, when, you know, at that time. Uh, but I started, you know, I had quit smoking three weeks before that. So I had kind of a double whammy. The food tasted better and I had to have some sort of addiction. So um, I just gravitated towards the food. Uh, and I love food anyway. I'm not, not, not going to kid you. Uh, and I just, without even knowing it, I became a compulsive overeater. And I had no idea it was a disease. Uh, I ate compulsively for 28 years. Uh, I, you know, my highest weight, I think, was uh, highest recorded weight was 360. And I have a hunch because I stopped, you know, ever getting weighed. I have a hunch that my highest weight might have been 380. Uh, but up and down, you know, I tried uh, every diet, almost known to man, the low carbohydrate diets seem like they've had about a dozen names and I've tried at least half a dozen of them and every single one of them worked. You know, I would lose massive amounts of weight. And then the minute, you know, I got to a place where I thought, well, okay, I'm comfortable with this. It would come right back on um, low carbohydrate diet. Uh, once you get off it and grab a piece of pie, I mean, you're on the road, you're on the road back and the weight comes back on twice as fast as it, as it goes off. Uh, and so I tried the, the, oh, something called the T factor diet. I can't even remember what the hell it was, but, uh, I tried the low fat diets, weight watchers two or three times. Uh, and you know, weight watchers gets kind of a bad name, uh, with OA, but, uh, I think actually it's a pretty good program. If you're not a compulsive overeater, it's a wonderful program. But even if you are a compulsive overeater, um, once you eliminate your uh, trigger foods and, and all your bad foods, you know, it's not a bad way to quantify your food intake to maintain or to lose weight. So anyway, what happened for me is that 28 years of up and down, up and down, up and down, uh, and in uh, December of 2014, I think I was about 355 then. And I went to, uh, went to my doctor because I had diabetes, you know, as a result of obesity. Uh, one doctor called it diabetes. You know, anybody who is, is morbidly obese is going to be diabetic. Uh, at least that's what he said. And that was what my experience was. So I was taking the maximum amount of uh, oral medication that you can take to treat diabetes. And, uh, and I was just about to have to switch to insulin, I think. And uh, so I went to the doctor December, I remember it was December 14th. Uh, it was the middle of December, 2014. Uh, and my doctor is a guy that I've known for 30 plus years. Well, actually now over 38 years and we switched to him as our doctor when we were planning our second child uh, and he was just out of residency. And so I've known this guy for a long, long time and, he, and he's kind of a friend. Um, so he asked me, um, said, how are your blood sugars running? And I said, well, hell, I don't know. I stopped taking them. And he said, why did you stop taking them? And I said, because they're always high. I mean, uh, and, and he looked at me he had a look in his eyes that, you know, I interpreted as a sad look in his eyes it's that, that he was thinking, this guy's not going to be around much longer. Uh, 
you know, that flashed into my mind. And uh, I glanced down at the chart uh, and it said morbidly obese. And, you know, I don't know that I'd ever heard that term before. So I looked it up, morbidly obese. I believe it said, if you are twice your uh, healthy body weight, you're morbidly obese. And, and you know, something in my mind uh, clicked and I said, okay, I'm going to go on another diet. By God, I'm this time I'm going to, I'm going to lose that weight, keep it off. Uh, but it was going to be through a diet. And, uh, and, and I know how that would have worked out, but a miracle happened, intervened. Um, you know, I was going to uh, a bunch of uh, OA meetings. I had re, uh, retired in uh, uh, 2009 and uh, I was going to a lot of noon AA meetings. And it, after one meeting, uh, two ladies came up to me uh, that I had known in AA for a long, long time. And they said, Jeff, would you uh, ever consider going to OA? And I said, well, I went to one meeting and I said, I just, you know, it was a how meeting and it scared the bejesus out of me. So I thought, OA is not for me. And uh, this one lady said, we have a meeting on Sunday afternoon. We use the AA big book. And, uh, uh, and you know, I've always been kind of an AA big book thumper. So I thought, well, that's perfect. You know, I'll go to that. And, uh, or I said, I didn't, didn't say that's perfect. I'll go to that. I said, okay, well, maybe I'll uh, try that sometime. Uh, and I didn't go. And then the next week that this one lady who's very persistent came up to me and just all but chest bumped me and said, I thought you were going to the meeting on Sunday. And, and I said, well, I said, yeah, I will come to that sometime. She, and she just got right up in my face and said, well, why don't you just make a commitment? And I said, okay, I'll be there Sunday. And, and I did go to that meeting. And you know what? It was just like when I entered AA many years ago. I loved it right from the start. I really did. Um, and I thought, boy, this, this is going to be a terrific supplement to my diet, you know. Uh, and uh, so I went that first week and I, I was looking forward to going back that second week. And uh, before the meeting that second week, a, li a little uh, red-haired lady, about five foot one inches tall, you know, ideal weight, came up to me and said, do you have a few minutes uh, after the meeting? And I said, well, sure. And uh, I thought, you know, this is what was going through my mind. I thought she's going to tell me that, you know, we, you know, you're the only man in our meeting. And, uh, you know, we ladies like to talk about certain things that we can't talk about in front of you. And so we wondered if, you know, maybe you could find a different meeting. And so that's what was in my head. And then after the meeting, uh, what she actually said was, are you serious about this thing? And I said, yes, I am. And I was. Uh, but I was serious about it only to the extent of using OA as a supplement to this diet. And uh, she said, okay. And then she proceeded to, to 12 step me. And some of you know her, uh, she's my sponsor. Her name is Marla, little gal. Uh, wonderful, wonderful person, wonderful person, wonderful sponsor. And so she proceeded to 12 step me. And what she did was she showed me a picture 
she's five foot one inches tall and she weighed 284 pounds. And I thought, wow, you know, I, you know, I could show pictures just like that. And, but what really, what really uh, caught my attention is when she started talking about her eating behaviors. She said, uh, for instance, you know, she would go to the convenience store, which I don't know if you have them in, in Ireland, but in, in, uh, in the United States, every block has to have at least one convenience store, it seems like. And, uh, you know, they sell gasoline, beer, and they have like a, a huge room with nothing but snacks, salty snacks over here, you know, fatty snacks over here, sweets over here. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, um, getting back to the story, she said I, she would go to the convenience store and tell the family she needed milk and bread and they, she would get the milk and bread and get a dozen ice cream bars and eat them all on the way home because she couldn't bring them in the house. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that sounds familiar. Uh, and then the other thing she would do, another example she gave me was if the, if the family was having pizza that night, she would go out to the place, to the pizza place and pick up a large pizza and then a medium pizza. She would eat the medium pizza before she went home and then share the large pizza with the family. And, and I thought, wow, you know, I could tell stories just like that. Uh, you know, I'm a big baseball fan and uh, I live in Des Moines, Iowa and St. Louis, Missouri is about 350 miles away. So I go down there quite a bit for baseball games. And there's a little town about 140 miles down the road on the way that has a convenience store that I stop at all the time. Uh, and they're famous for their donuts, terrific donuts. So I would always, every single time buy a dozen donuts and every single time tell myself, I'm gonna have a couple donuts for breakfast, you know, every morning in St. Louis. And you know what? I never ever had a donut that made it to St. Louis, never. You know, the box was empty by the time I got there. And then I would go to this place called Krispy Kreme, which we didn't have in Des Moines, and buy another dozen. You know, uh, my uh, trigger food, binge foods, turned out to be, you know, the worst of them anyway, turned out to be anything with sugar, flour, and fat combined. So anyway, Marla is telling me about her um, foods, and she's telling me about her behaviors, and I, you know, I could identify Page 18 of the, of the AA big book, you know, the ex-alcoholic or the ex-compulsive overeater when armed with facts about himself or herself can generally win the entire confidence of another within a couple hours, sharing our experience and relating. Uh, so I was hooked, you know, and the very first thing, the absolute very first thing that I learned was uh, my AA credits did not transfer. You know, Marla told me that not only do they not transfer, but you think that, you know, you've already worked the steps uh, and that's going to be a hindrance because you haven't worked them in a way. And she convinced me uh, that we had to start from the doctor's opinion. We went through the AA big book. You know, I also read OA literature. I went to OA meetings where there were, uh, where they used to OA literature. Uh, but um uh, we started with the doctor's opinion in the big book and discussed the physical allergy, which I had. 
and, and most compulsive overeaters have with respect to certain foods. Uh, we did that. After the doctor's opinion, she had me uh, make out a really extensive, honest uh, um, uh, food history, you know, based uh, on red light foods, those that, you know, you don't feel like you could ever give up. And once you start, you can't stop. And yellow foods, which, uh, uh, you know, you might, might be a problem, might not be a problem. And then all those green foods that you can eat and not. Um, you know, I, I was a little bit of a volume eater, but I was mostly a snacker, a grazer, and, and a binge eater on certain foods. So uh, that knowledge was incredibly helpful to me. And I did a really long, thorough, honest food list. Uh, I went to a nutritionist uh, that Marla recommended I go to. Um, I think that's beneficial if you can find a, and if you can find a nutritionist that's familiar with OA, which I did locally here, uh, it was incredibly helpful. And uh, so once I knew what the foods were, you know, what the trigger foods were and the trigger behaviors, uh, you know, I was able to know what to not do <laughs> anyway. And so then we started through the steps. Uh, and in those steps, I learned what to do to maintain abstinence and to maintain abstinence that is, uh, you know, where your life becomes enjoyable. It's not just a constant, uh, uh, you know, you're not constantly preoccupied. It took me a while to achieve food neutrality, but um, what I found is that, you know, going through the steps and we went through them, you know, uh, we didn't dawdle. We went through them kind of fast. Uh, Lori C., a famous speaker here in, uh, in uh, the United States, well, actually from Canada, uh, talks about how when we come into OA, uh, we're actually in kind of a race, you know, at first, you know, we're on the pink cloud and, and we're doing well and the weight's coming off. Uh, but he talks about it being a race and the race is to see if you can get through to the ninth step uh, where, you know, you really do by that time have a spiritual defense against uh, the lie, you know, that telling yourself that, no, it'd be okay if I had this. If you can get to the ninth step before that pink cloud dissolves. And so uh, that's what we did. We did not take a long time. We worked through the steps really quickly. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it was amazing. You know, it truly was amazing. Um, you know, my, uh, you know, I had been sober in AA and I had worked the steps uh, and, you know, I'd achieved a, uh, Oh, I don't know, a degree of serenity, I guess. But uh, my program had gotten stale and, uh, you know, an intense relook at the 12 steps and an intense uh, program of OA, it just kind of revitalized everything for me. Uh, you know, that, uh, as I say, my, uh, my actual abstinence date is January 15th, 2015. And, uh, uh, and I go to a lot of OA meetings. I, you know, I try to do uh, the same things that Marla taught me to do when she sponsored me. Very first thing she did was give me a list of guidelines. Uh, and I think this is a good idea. I do it with my sponsees as well. 
if someone indicates to me or you know, like indicates to Marla that they're interested in having uh, having her as a sponsor or in my case, having me as a sponsor, I send them some guidelines and the guidelines are, uh, are you willing to follow directions in terms of reading the books, reading the literature, uh, uh, vision for you, um, um, podcasts, um, and, and, and other speaker podcasts, you know, on specific steps and specific chapters. Uh, are you willing to go to uh, at least two meetings a week? Are you willing to make at least two or three phone calls a day? Uh, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera, those kind of things. Uh, and if someone's not willing to do that, then they're not willing to do what I did. And, you know, I, it's not very effective to be able to sponsor someone. The only way I can uh, uh, give them what, you know, I mean, what I had to give, which is, you know, probably not, you know, utopia or anything, but what, what I have, the only way I got it, the only way I know to get it is, is what Marla had me do and what I had and what I did and what I would like to have sponsees do. So if they agree to that, you know, away we go through on the same uh, road. And uh, there is really nothing, I found nothing that is more satisfying than taking someone who comes in the rooms or comes in Zoom, uh, like and has that look of a deer in the headlights look um, and is, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm desperate and, you know, just taking them through the steps and watching them, you know, the, uh, watching them grow and, uh, and recover. Uh, there's a famous piece of literature, uh, it's in AA literature, uh, where Dr. Harry Tebow, who was one of the greatest early friends of, of AA, who was a psychiatrist, worked with uh, a woman who is one of my idols in AA and one of my, I, I believe, an idol of every 12-step program, a woman named Marty Mann. Marty was a hopeless, hopeless, hopeless drunk. Uh, and uh, Dr. Tebow, in desperation, in absolute desperation, gave her an early manuscript of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and she read it and she argued about it. And, you know, uh, but she started going to a few of the early AA meetings and it worked. I mean, she was a hopeless, uh, institutionalized alcoholic. And Dr. Tebow witnessing that, uh, realized you know that AA really that a 12-step program a spiritual program really had something to offer and so he wrote a uh, paper that he that he uh, read at the American Psychiatric Convention I think in 1948 and he's describing in very technical psychiatric terms uh, this patient Marty Mann but when he starts describing her after you know, the steps, he's worked the steps and in the program, his language changes. And he used phrases like uh, uh, the uh, angry look uh, uh, left her face and, and uh, seven minutes. Kinder, okay. And a kinder, gentler uh, expression took the place. And, and Marty Mann, uh, but through her recovery, inspired Dr. Tebow to be a, an advocate of 12 step programs. And uh, Marty Mann then went on to uh, 
to found, be a co-founder or a founder of the National Council on Alcoholism, which I know this is an, another program, but that was probably more than anything else uh, persuaded the medical community and the public at large to consider alcoholism as a disease rather than just a moral uh, uh, moral issue. And that has spilled over into all the other 12-step programs, including OA. I wish that we could get doctors to, uh, to look at our uh, compulsive overeating as a disease. Uh, many doctors just hand you that, that sheet that we've all seen that has the food pyramid and says, eat a lot of this down here. Don't eat much of this at the top. And my pyramid's always been upside down. Uh, always, you know, the stuff at the top looks better to me. Um, but, you know, if doctors would just, you know, send patients, I have, I have asked several of my doctors if I could put OA literature in their waiting rooms and they've let me do it. Uh, you know, I was uh, attending a wound clinic for eight months trying to get a wound healed in my leg. Uh, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, usually waiting for my, uh, my time to go in the exam room. And there was almost always half a dozen morbidly obese people in wheelchairs, you know, in the room. And uh, so I asked, uh, I asked Dr. Z, the medical director, if I could put some literature in there. And he said, sure. So I did. Uh, I don't know if it helped or anything, but, you know, who knows? It can't hurt. Uh, we've got in Des Moines here, I, I suppose this, some people would say this is attraction rather than promo, or promotion rather than attraction, but we have billboards that, that we put up ar around town uh, just announcing that OA exists, not, you know, not really, uh, not really promoting it, but uh, there's one billboard that says, have you tried everything? Meaning, have you tried everything to lose weight? But on the billboard, there's a whole bunch of candy wrappers and things like that. And so being the, being the uh, smart aleck that I am, I say, well, there's a couple of things on there that I haven't tried. You know, I haven't tried that candy bar or that bag of chips, but uh, it, is, it is bringing more people into OA in our community. And hopefully, uh, you know, with COVID, it's, it's, it's been a detriment to uh, getting new people in face-to-face, -face, but uh, we do now have some open face-to-face -face meetings. Uh, I'm not going to them because they won't wear masks, but, you know, recovery is alive and well in this community. And, uh, you know, because uh, when I came into OA, I was so um, in way worse shape than I even realized. I talked about the diabetes. I did not realize that two years after I came in, I was going to have a heart attack. Uh, that I wouldn't have survived if I hadn't lost 140 pounds and kept it off. So, and the other thing is, uh, as the weight came off and my doctor's monitoring the blood sugars and things like that, I got to the place where I take absolutely no medicine for diabetes, none, nothing. And my A1Cs are, my last one I think was 5.1, which is uh, below the diabetic range even. So. This thing, this, this OA program has literally, not just figuratively, literally saved my life. You know, I'm here because today alive because of it. Uh, and, and it's enriched it. it. It has made my life worth living. Uh, 
you know, I've met wonderful people like Rita and Marla and just countless others, Kim G. I mean, you know, meetings to me are like, uh, you know, candy to a kid. I love them. And uh, so I'm never going to leave this program and I'm always going to try to give back and I'll never be able to give back, you know, what I receive in this thing. So now I want to tell you that joke if I have time. Uh, it's an AA joke, so bear with me, but, but I think you'll find it funny. Uh, this guy is driving down the street and the, the police stop him. And as they walk up to his car, they notice that in the front seat, and the back seat, he's got some swords. And uh, so they immediately get, you know, get anxious about that. And they pull their guns and they walk up and they say, sir, what are you doing with all those swords? Uh, and he says, Oh, he says, officers, he said, you know, uh, uh, please don't be alarmed. You know, I, I'm a performer and I use those in my act. And he says, I've got a whole bunch more in the trunk. So they said, please step out of the car, sir, and open up your trunk. And he opens up the trunk and my God, there's a whole trunk full of hatchets and swords. And, uh, and boy, they're really getting, they're getting the handcuffs out now. And he says, oh, no, please let me explain. He says, I'm a juggler. And I use these in my act. So he takes five or six swords out and proceeds to start juggling them, you know, behind the car. And as he's doing that, a couple of guys that were just leaving an AA meeting are driving by. And one guy turns to the other guy and he says, my God, he said, look what they're making them do now. The field sobriety test. So <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for inviting me to come I've been looking forward to this and I hope I didn't disappoint you. Uh, I love seeing your faces and hearing your accents and uh, I'm in heaven, man, when I'm in an OA meeting. So with that, I'll pass.